119, um, and don't worry, we're not going to read the whole thing of Psalm 119, but we are going to read verses 129 through 136 of Psalm 119. And as you're, you're turning there, I'm going to take a little bit of time for, for confession, if you will. Um, growing up, I was one of those people, and you may fall in line with this too, but I liked staying up late, and I would, and I would flip through the channels, and, and I would find the infomercials. And I loved watching infomercials. If I was homesick from school, I would watch the infomercials over and over again, and things would like stick in my head, like, you know, clap on, clap off. And you, and you know, and if you got money, you're like, yeah, I got a clapper. I can clap my lights on. I'm fancy, right? Or, or one of my favorites was always the rotisserie one where the guy would he'd tell you, oh, it's only five minutes and you can cook a, a whole elephant in five minutes on this rotisserie. All you got to do is set it and forget it. See, some of y'all remember these infomercials, right? And I, and I mean, and sometimes it was fun because you'd watch them and you didn't even know you needed the stuff, right? I mean, I never knew that I needed to be able to go from cutting a tin can in half to automatically cutting a loaf of bread right after it until I saw the Ginsu knife infomercial. And it told me, no, you need to be able to cut a lead pipe and then turn around and cut a tomato. Don't know why you would ever need to, but I wanted to. I never realized how inconvenient blankets were until I saw an infomercial for a Snuggie. And then I realized, you know what? I do need sleeves on my blanket. I didn't realize that I needed a boat that I could put a screen door in the bottom of it and seal it off until I saw the Flex Seal infomercial. And then I wanted to try it. May need, still need to try that one day just to see if it actually works. And I never knew that I needed a slightly tilted grill where the fat would drain off until the former world heavyweight champion George Foreman told me so. You see, we watch these, and, we, and now it's all over Facebook, too, because they've like figured out, as Caleb was talking about, these algorithms, and you see things, and you go, I didn't even know I needed that until I saw it. And the problem is, is so often the way in which they cater to us is how will it benefit me? And this so often becomes the type of faith that we have as well. A faith of, as we look at God's truth, we go, all right, how's that going to benefit me? I'll buy into it if it's going to cause me a benefit, if it's going to provide me something. And this is kind of that truth that our author is writing about in Psalm 119, beginning in verse 129, where it says these words. It says, your decrees are wonderful. And therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. With an open mouth I pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me. As is your custom towards those who love your name. Keep my steps steady according to your promise, and never let iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from human oppression, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. 
My eyes shed streams of tears because your law is not kept. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So for better or for worse, we live in a culture that promotes what about me? What's in it for me? How will this benefit me? And if it won't benefit me, then I don't want to do it. Now granted, I found out really quickly after being married, just because you don't want to do it and it doesn't benefit you does not mean that you don't have to do it. found that out. Um, when Anne was like, hey, let's go do this. And I was like, I really don't want to. And she's like, that wasn't a question. And I was like, yes, ma'am, um, because that's how marriage works. But we live in a culture that is a what about me? How will this benefit me? What will this provide for me? And I wish that I could say that it stopped outside of these doors. But we all know that sadly, we as the church have become an institution that for many instances has a tendency to cater to this. We find ourselves rolling out new programs, new things that say, come here because it will benefit you. This is how, this is what we provide that you need. And now don't mishear me, absolutely the church is founded on providing things that people need. But we have fallen into this belief of a consumeristic faith. That if you, if you just do X, Y, and Z, it'll benefit you. If you, if you just fall, follow the, these three easy steps, it'll benefit you. It's no wonder that so often if you go to the bookstore, which I know those are a thing of the past as well, but if you go to a bookstore, many times right next to the religion section, is the self-help section. And so often, they flood back and forth. We live in a world focused on self and individual. And we as the church cater to this. And so often, as the old adage says, as you bring pe- the way you bring people in is the way you're going to keep them. So what happens is churches find themselves trying to keep up with the Joneses. What is it that we can give you? Even if it's far out of the realm of the church, what can we do to keep you coming? What can we do for you to be sitting there this morning? What can we do to make our numbers look good? What can we do to make you feel benefited? And we come to church... And I'm I'm guilty of this as well. And we sit in pews, and we sit back and we go, all right, Chris, entertain me now. Make me feel good. Let me walk out of here feeling better than when I walked in. And this is what the kind of culture that our psalmist is talking to this morning A culture where the church is catering to the person and it's lost the ability to speak truth because all it's wanting to do is pacify your worries. And we become so engulfed in this consumeristic faith. One where our commitment is only as strong as the benefits that we may reap from God's truth. 
We, we come to church seeking the benefits of, and, and you can go look on Amazon real quick, I promise you, and there are books that will cater to this. Three easy steps to a better marriage. Six easy steps to having a better family. If you just pray this prayer, it'll give you workplace security. Come to Jesus and he will calm all your anxiety, worries, and fears. And so we come. And we see, as we look around our world, the sad reality also that many people have fallen away from the church. And ultimately, they've fallen away from the faith. And the reasoning is because they only responded to God's truth to begin with in order to benefit themselves. And that may sound harsh, but we, we find ourselves coming to church and realizing, okay, I've received the benefit that I came for. I'm done until another need arises and we come back because we need to be benefited again. Or we find ourselves going, I didn't get what I wanted or what I thought I deserved, and so therefore we become disillusioned. 20th century Catholic writer Flannery O'Connor doesn't mince words either when she says, we think faith is a big electric blanket, when of course it's a cross. You see, we find ourselves falling in this idea of, I just want to be wrapped up and feel good about it. And so often what we find is a Jesus Christ who teaches us that things are not okay and we've got to move and change. And if your commitment to God's truth is only as strong as the benefits that you reap from it, then you're not going to last very long in the faith. I'm sorry to tell you. It's kind of like if you enter into a relationship just because somebody can benefit you, then that relationship is not very strong to begin with. But the psalmist this morning points us to what authentic discipleship looks like. Not this consumeristic discipleship that we've fallen into, but he says that it should stem from this idea of love for the truth. As we hear that our, our scripture begin this morning, he starts crying out that your decrees are wonderful and my soul keeps them. They shine a light into my world. It imparts understanding to me. And I love the way in which he puts verse 131. He says, with open mouth I pant because I long for your commandments. When's the last time that we longed for somebody to tell us to do anything? We don't like being told anything, and what our scripture this morning is pointing to is that, we, is that we are called to fall in love with God's will and way for us so much that we are panting for it, that we desire it so much that we get that cotton mouth over it. God, flood my life with your living water. Or as we just sang, order my steps in your way. And we live in a world where we love what benefits us. 
though. And it falls in line with our own wants and desires. And if it does fall in line with our own wants and desires, this is how we operate. If it falls in line with what I like and what I desire and my wants, then that's what's true. And if I don't want to hear it, and if it goes against what I think, or it goes against how I act, then I don't believe it to be true. Plain and simple. And I wish that I could say that the church was different, but so often we find ourselves, me and Chris joke about this a lot, when we look at scriptures and we go, oh, that one's hard, I don't know that I can preach that one today. So I'm not saying that me and Chris are allowed off the hook either. This is, like I said, this is confession time for me. And so, you know, I, I, I found myself going to, to a therapist recently, and, you know, it's helpful to talk about some of the stuff that you wrestle with. And here's the reality. Sometimes y'all are just going to sit in on my therapy session, if that's okay. But the Scripture says that, ke- that we are called to keep God's truth because it's wonderful. And because we love God's truth, not because of what it did or can do for us, but because it's of God. And out of love and trust of God, we are called to believe in God. Believe in God's calling. Believe in where God is leading us. We need that commitment of the psalmist where he, when he says that my, with an open mouth, I pant for your call. I long for your commandments. And when was the last time we could actually say that? Even if it doesn't automatically benefit you, even if it challenges you, even if it calls you to change, when is the last time you said, you know what, God, I want to hear your truth? You know, if you're like me, you find yourself doing quiet times, spending time in prayer, And so often you find yourself falling to this way and desire of, yeah, God, everybody else needs to change. I wish that they would figure it out. God, I I know that I'm doing right. I'm not the problem here. And sometimes we need to allow, we just need, for lack of a better way of putting it, we just need to be quiet and let God speak. What we hear in our text is our psalmist praying, Oh God, order my steps. Don't let me go where I desire to go, but you order my steps. You tell me where to go and allow me to be obedient, to follow your call and desire for me as an individual. I'm reminded of a time in about fifth grade, back when I would ride around with my mom and back when cars had those wonderful cigarette lighters that you'd push the button, and they'd heat up, and then they'd pop out, and you'd pull them out, and that's how you would light your cigarette. Now, not, no, fifth grade me was not smoking cigarettes. That's not where this story is going. But so often I would find myself, because I didn't understand what it was, pushing the button, my mom would go, don't touch that, leave that alone. And so one day, mom went into the grocery store and left me in the car with the radio playing, so the keys were still in it. And what did I do? I pushed the button. It popped out. I pulled that little sucker out, and I said, ooh, that's cool. And I ended up burning myself. 
When I was left alone to my own wants and desires and devices, and I followed those desires, I found myself ending up hurt. And the first desire that the psalmist has this morning is for God to guide and protect his life. He says, keep my steps steady according to your promise and never let iniquity have dominion over me. Or as our song said this morning, order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Lead me, guide me every day. Send your anointing, Father, I pray. Humbly I ask you to teach me your will. While you are working, help me be still. Yes, Satan is busy, but God is real. And it goes on to say things like, bridle my tongue, that my words would be edifying. Let the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight. Take charge of my thoughts both day and night. And now if you're like me, you have a tendency to speak and then think. This prayer really hits home of God, tame my tongue that I don't just say the first thing that pops in here because that's dangerous. But if it's not edifying, if it's not lifting up, and if it's not spoken out of love, keep me from speaking it. Now granted, if you're on Facebook nowadays, you know that's not the case. I'm just going to put it blunt. We don't care if it edifies, if it lifts up, as long as my, my opinion matters and everybody needs to hear it. And sometimes we just need to keep our mouths shut. We need to pray, God, bridle my tongue, that my words may be lifting up and loving. You see, the psalmist understands what a, what a fifth grade Ryan did not, and it's that left to our own devices, we're going to seek ourselves first. Left to our own wants and desires, we're going to seek what we want first. So he deliberately starts off his prayer that God would not lead him into temptation, but deliver him from evil. And too often our prayers have become, God, don't let me receive the punishment for the sin that, I've, that I'm about to commit. We're not worried about God leading me not into temptation. We're like, I'm already here. I'm just going to do it. But God, don't make me have to reap the punishment. And our prayer should be, God, order my steps that I don't get led into temptation. I'm reminded of a preacher I had growing up, and he, and he said, for, uh, from the pulpit one morning, he said, you know, when we look at the idea of repentance, we pray about that, but I don't think we really want it. He says, for many of y'all, you're going out and you're sowing your wild oats throughout the week, and then you just come to church so that you can pray for crop failure. And isn't that the truth? So often we go out, we do whatever we want, and then we come in and we go, God, I'm sorry. Please, please don't let so-and-so find out. Please don't let me be punished for what I've done. Our psalmist goes on, he says, Redeem me from human oppression that I may keep your precepts. Order my steps. Give me a new song to sing. Show me to walk in your word, how to talk in your word. Too often, we find ourselves going, God, just make it easy. Just make it easy. Make everything better. Make it easy for me. And we see, find ourselves seeking, God, just give me what I want, what I desire. And we find ourselves acting on our own impulses, and then we ask God to bless it. And do we not realize how backwards that really is? 
We act and do what we want and then go, all right, God, I'm going to do what I want and desire, but I need you to bless it. Instead of going, hey, God, how about you show me your way and humble me that I can follow? The psalmist does not ask for a greater circumstantial ease, but instead for the ability to more easily keep God's teachings. He says, God, change my heart, change my mind, that I may keep your teachings and not seek my own wants and desires. The psalmist is pointing us to what true discipleship is, which is obedience. Yet another word that we don't really like to hear it's kind of like I can remember growing up and I, and I would start doing something and my dad would go, don't do that. And I'd keep doing it. Don't do that. Why, dad? Why can't I do it? And his answer almost every time was, because I said so. That's why. And sometimes I think this is the problem, is that God's sitting there going, don't do that. Don't do that. But why, God? It's not hurting nobody. It's all good. And God's looking at you going, because I said so. That's why. And I love you. Why won't you just listen to me? Are we driven by a desire to keep God's laws? Or do we simply want our lives to be easier? You know, I mean, there's nothing necessarily wrong with wanting an easier life. Don't mishear me. I think we all want an easier life. But our quest for ease should be motivated by a godly rather than a selfish desire. Our, our psalmist sums up his prayer as he seeks a grace-filled understanding of truth. When he says, make your face shine upon your servants and teach me your statutes. The man's writing a psalm. He knows God. He's got a relationship with God. He's probably filling a pulpit somewhere in this day and time. And what is it that he prays except for, hey, God, help me to better understand. He's confessing, I don't have it all figured out. I need to learn more. I need to understand better. And so often we, and by we I mean me, have a tendency to approach Scripture and when we find ourselves getting into verses that we've read before or we've heard preached, we go, oh, I know what that says, and we just scan on down and go to the next thing. Instead of going, hey, God, open my eyes, my heart, my mind, that I can hear your voice speaking to me through this living document. Instead, we find ourselves going, this is a waste of time. I've heard this before. How is this going to benefit me? God, give us heart and a mind that we may continue to grow in relationship with you and seeking understanding of who you are and what you are doing in our midst. God, order my steps in your word. Verse 136 almost seems like a tag on to me, but I think it speaks to me the greatest of where we find ourselves. My eyes shed streams of tears because your law is not kept. I think we can all agree 
that the world is not as it should be. Now, we may disagree on the why, but we, we cannot disagree on the fact that it's not as it should be. And I think so often we say that what I want is what God wants. And so if people would just listen to me, it'd all be okay. And the reality is, is no, we've all strayed from the word of God. And we've all kind of created our own little scriptures. And what happens when we dive into the scripture, this is the dangerous part, is it's kind of like when you sit in a meeting and you find yourself starting to explain something or starting to say something. And this may not happen to any of y'all, but it's happened to me a couple of times. It's one of my pet peeves. And somebody jumps in on top of you and goes, oh, what I hear you saying is X, Y, and Z. And then your response is, that's not what I was saying at all. If you just let me tell you, you'd understand. And I think this is what we do with God's will. We say, we hear God talking, we go, oh, okay, this is what you want me to do. And God's looking at us going, that's not what I was saying at all. If you just listen. God, order our steps. That we may acknowledge that our world is not as it should be. And that honestly, nine times out of ten, it's because we're not living into your will. You see, we so often get caught up in what somebody else is doing. When's the last time you sat down and said, God, where do I need to change? If I look at Facebook, not very often for any of us, myself included, because all we say is so-and-so needs to figure this out. They need to change. They need to do something different. Look at what they're doing that's wrong. And never do we find ourselves going, hey, I need to confess. I've screwed up. We're called to be obedient to God's truth, even not because it benefits us, but because we are called to honor and serve a God that loves us and knows us better than we could ever know ourselves. And obedience to God's truth is evidence of our love for Christ. And equally, our love for Christ is the cause of our obedience. You do what God asks because you love God. You go to your in-laws because you love your spouse. And your in-laws, maybe, if you've got good in-laws. But you do what you do because of who you love. And so often, here's the reality, if we want to be real honest with each other, is we love ourselves more than anybody else, so all we're worried about is doing what I want to do. Or maybe that's just me. We hear in John 14, 6, that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And it is only to the degree that we love Jesus that we will be committed to the loving and obeying of his truth. Here's my question. Can you honestly this day say that you love God more than you love yourself? Because that's what the call is. is to say, God, you direct my steps. Because, let's be honest, if you're like me, you look around and go, well, I've really screwed this whole life thing up. I should have listened. should have paid attention. I should do this whole thing in this idea of loving one another and loving God. My hope and my desire is that our prayer as we go from this place would be just as the song proclaimed. Order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Lead me, guide me every day. 
Send your anointing, Father, I pray, and order my steps in your word. Please order my steps in your word. Amen and amen.